This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Yeah. Where'd that tambourine go? More cowbell. More cowbell. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, band. Thank you, scientists. Thank you, Triple R broadcasters this morning. Yes. Tim Thorpe onwards. Yes. He's still hanging around. Graveyarders too. They're all still here. So Panel Beta is still uh, discussing things medical in the green room. The scientists are in the other studio. Yes. Just finishing off their experiments. They haven't run away today. Getting there. Tim is in the front office. Yes. Polishing things. (laughs) His Order of Australia. Yes. Oh, that's cruel. (laughs) Sorry, Tim, if you're listening. Yes. Um, And there is you out there. Mm. Hello. How are you doing out there? It is uh, it is the afternoon. Yes. Um, on the last week of April. Can't believe it's nearly May already. Cold and wet in Melbourne, which is not something we've said for a very long time. Coldish. I think it's and cold. And wettish. I'm, I don't have... I'm just in a T-shirt, so I'm feeling it. Yeah, you're you've a got, freak. You've got double layers. Yeah, I, I don't think... I've hardly even... Look, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, I've done this show with Matt for a few years now. Even in June, you yeah. know, it's the winter solstice. And, yeah. And Matt will come in in, in an t-shirt. interesting T-shirt because yes. he always has something interesting. Uh, today, just to describe, it looks a bit like... Uh, for some reason, I'm thinking Gibson guitar, mm. uh, shaped like a motif, shaped like a pick with uh, strings and mm. um, the bash... What do you call it? Bash board? Oh, the soundboard. Soundboard. Soundboard and acoustic guitar. I'll uh, I'll wear a tux next week, just to mix it up. Well, that'll that'll go straight to Instagram, that (laughs) will. Uh, 12.04 here on on this Sunday. Mm. And today on the show, we... uh, What are we doing? It's a good show. (laughs) Hasn't (laughs) it happened yet? No, well, it will be a good show. All right. Matt's confident. He's got his arms crossed and going, yes, it shall be good. Um, good Actually, looking back one more time, just to say, it might be interesting to have a listen to the podcast of the party show, because oh, yes. I reckon they got on it last night. Because <laughs> there is um, there is a, the the recycle bin is overflowing. It with, overfloweth with a bit of mountain goat and yeah. a bit of crownies, which yeah, I know right. that's Headley's drink. It's probably one of the few people left in <laughs> Melbourne that drinks it. Yeah, it's true, actually. Crown lager. Although it's funny because mass-produced beer is kind of like now the new hipster beer. Like you're very, very cool if you go. What? To, I know it's with who it's, uh, with a lot of people. It's very cool now to go and order a VB. I know that facial expression that only I can see and the listeners can't is the right one. It's pushed. <laughs> what? It's a little bit of horror. Oh, I mean, mm. pendulums can swing backwards and forwards, and they, and there is an inevitability of these yes. things. But but for what? But a pot of a pot of Melbourne is probably the coolest order at the bar now. No uh, way, <laughs> way. Whoa! Yeah. On today's show, yes, here's Tom with the weather. Um, <laughs> Phil Kelly, yes, he makes cider. He does. He does. You he has always, a cider festival. In that accent, don't you? <laughs> oh, well, you know, you gotta, you know, go to the go to the tropes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a trope and it's easy. So, how's the cider? No. Uh, <laughs> Phil Kelly lives in a place in Wonga Park. He lives in Little Dell, um, yes. and it's a and it's a place that uh, he inherited off his dad. Mm. And uh, him and his brother mm. make beautiful wines. Make a particularly good champagne. Oh, really? Whoops! Sparkling. Mm. Yes. Self censoring robot Cam Smith. Method champenois. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no champagne. No, no. no. 
Um, he makes a great sparkling uh, using the classic Chardonnay Pinot Noir. Yes. But I digress. Uh, he'll be on the phone. Yes. Well, I might ask him about that. Because mm. he's got a, a cider festival. A whole cider festival. He has a cider festival where people come and they yes. drink cider. Yes. Under a tree. That's next week. And they listen again. to music. Yes. And they put blankets down and they make love. No, they don't. Oh, they don't because we just discourage that. That you have buckets of water to stop people doing that sort of thing. Oh, Matt's looking appalled at me. Okay, but I need to pull it back. Sorry, kids. Um, no, Kelly Book Cider Festival is great. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to him about that. John's at the market. We're going to have a chat yep. to him uh, about all that, uh, what's going on with uh, the market, mm-hmm. and he will entertain us in the way that John does. Yes. And then we mm. have someone who we've never had on the show before. Mm. Um, sort of like a, a Dr. Carl Kujaneski, but of nutrition. Ooh. Yes, his name is Dr. Tim Crow. Yes. Um, he has a website if you want to check it out before he comes on because mm-hmm. he's going to be the last person coming on. Thinkingnutrition.com.au. Mm. Mm. Let's see what we think about it. Let's nutrition. see that. Mm. Mm. Um, and then uh, what are we going to do? We're going to talk to him, career research scientist. We're just going to have a chat to him about uh, nutrition, food. There, He talks about these places called blue zones. Ooh. Blue zones are good places to live. Are they really? What's a blue zone, I ask? It's a place where you live longer because uh-huh. of diet. Right. So I don't want to steal his thunder too much, mm. but one place I think is in Japan. Right, so the geographical places. Geographic. So if, so if you live in these places, statistically, you're going to have a longer, healthier life. Boom, look at you, paraphrase. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, yeah, some places in Greece, uh, somewhere in the islands, mm. where I think they just, you know, grow oh. tomatoes and eat fish and olive oil and that's it. A lot of nutritionists beans. do beans. talk about the Greek diet, don't they? As in, Well, there was the whole Mediterranean diet thing mm. there for, for years, wasn't there? Mm. Go ahead. Lots of olive oil, as you say. Yeah, what else? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking olives and rosemary, but they probably probably aren't the main constituents. <laughs> you probably want a little yeah. bit more than that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> more more olive oil. Got some oregano tomorrow. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of the right idea. It's it's mm. it's using uh, not trans fats, mm-hmm. so maybe not you know hydrogenated um, vegetable oils and mm-hmm. margarine, mm-hmm. Uh, fresh fish, non processed food. Yeah. Anyway, well, he's the one to talk to about all that. Yes. And, oh, look, that's probably about it. Maybe we should just sort of get into it. And um, let's see if we can find Phil. Mm. And we'll talk uh, as to the preparations being made for having the Cider Festival under the oak tree there in Kellybrook. Yep. And you're listening to Eat It on 3 Triple R FM. It's... Oh, hello. <laughs> nice. hello, food's ready. <laughs> this is a Pavlovian response for a lot of us out there. Oh, my God, check the uh, microwave. We don't have a microwave. Wow. Uh, we should get one. Um, it is, uh, it's autumn. It's, um, it's a little bit dark and it's a little bit gloomy and, uh, and it seems the world around Melbourne has a cold. Matt doesn't, though. No, I've I'm, I'm been fighting one off for a couple of weeks. I've been sort of chomping on medications just to try... You've been having Panadol sandwiches or something. Yes, yes. keep everything at bay. Yes. But, I mean, you've been... You've Panadol sort of... smoothie. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you've been brought a little undone with it. Oh, yeah. I'm, mm. I'm over it. I feel like um, I have a cold. But uh, not to worry, because uh, one man who hasn't got a cold, because he'll be purposefully marching around his, uh, his, uh, his premises... And uh, looking at the wines and how they're coming along and the cider and how it's coming along and also making plans for the great 
Side of Festival. In fact, I think it's the 31st one. Phil Kelly, welcome to the Airwaves Triple R. Oh, thank you very much, Cam. It's lovely to speak to you. Oh, my God, listen to this ambience you bring us. <laughs> there's, there's birds in the background. There are. There's birds chirping. I don't even hear them anymore. That's right. They're yeah. definitely there. Oh, those things. Those old things. <laughs> it's called nature, my dear boy, my dear boy. Um, how's, uh, how's things, buddy? Oh, outstanding! Yeah, we're we're all uh, we're all um, all thoroughly invigorated post post harvest. Post uh, all the wines are in bed and the ciders are bubbling like crazy, and uh, we're very enthusiastic about the weeks ahead. Yeah, God, I love your relentless optimism. <laughs> Beauty. No, no. Um, hey, so okay, so seriously, um, so cider fest, you're putting on. It's the 31st one, so they just keep rolling along. And for those yeah. that have never experienced a cider festival, maybe we should uh, paint a picture. Oh, I'd love to paint a picture. Um, basically, it's it's our winery in Wonga Park, um, which is the, which was originally an old orchard. We've been making cider here for nearly 50 years, and very much a family family affair. And the cider mm. festival is our celebration of, of our cider making history, which goes right back, and uh, the whole family's involved and. All the locals and people from far and beyond as well jumping in to enjoy all of the wonders of cider and music and food, yeah. I have a feeling that you're a little bit of a closet pagan. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you referring to the fact that we have Morris dancers at the cider festival? Well, yeah, but, you know, just also, yeah, that's a bit of a big clue. I mean, you know, I've got my clipboard and I, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, tick, pagan, tick, <laughs> you know, from my pagan spotter's guide. But also it's that whole thing about, you know, it's a... It really sort of harks back to almost like a medieval time of celebrating the harvest. Yeah, it really and does. The, everyone um, gets sort of happily um, sh- uh, happy. Happy. Yeah, yeah and if happily about, happy. We're, we're, if that's not a euphemism, this, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the scrumpy is, um, because we're all impatient, we're, the, of course, the scrumpy is drinking partly fermented apple juice for us. So mm. it's, uh, it's bubbling away like crazy, but we can't wait to get stuck into it. So we share it with everyone and and we have it uh, partway through ferment. So that's that's probably pretty pagany as well. But the, yeah, um, I reckon. And it's very very based around seasons, and like you say, the harvest time and all that. And to be honest, we're all absolutely shattered from uh, from all the, you know, the vintaging period and picking and processing and so on. And, um, and it's nice to be able to just get everyone over for a giant party for the weekend. Yeah, right, and just, and just relax a, a little bit. Um, for those that haven't had Scrumpy before... Um, yeah, describe it. It's as you say. The the main thing about it is it's alive, very much alive. So um, we press the fruit. Um, in fact, we're pressing the fruit in the next couple of days for the weekend's scrumpy. Mm. Um, so the beautiful, you know, really fresh new seasons fruit. A lot of this stuff was only picked this last week. Um, it is really, really new new apples, yep. and um, and some lovely stuff. Lots of crunch, and um, so we start the ferments off, and then um, and really just get the balance between um, sweetness and and savouriness and acidity and, um, and apple flavours and stuff just by watching the ferment and monitoring it to basically to the perfect um, you know, level of, of drinkability to enjoy with food and friends. Because it changes during the day. That's the crazy thing about it. It is, it is so alive. And, and the other thing is you sort of serve it in these four-litre. They are four-litre, aren't they? Mm, yeah. yeah, four litres, sort four of, like a, like, a, like a giant milk carton, I suppose. But, you know, that <laughs> it's uh, the main thing is just to describe the plastic. I think you had red tops on it last year. That's um, right, yeah. and, uh, but I took one home and I sort of had it, I've got like a little two-seater uh, car, and I had to put the, the seat belt on it, you know, just so there was my little friend that was travelling me. But I kept having to burp it um, because... 
it was sort of threatening to explode, and I was just so glad that I didn't just chuck it in the boot because there yeah. could have been many tears. That's, well, yeah, this is right. So we, we always recommend, um, you know, having the, keeping the lid uh, just slightly ajar to allow the, the carbon dioxide that the fermentation is producing to escape. Mm. Uh, definitely in a car when it jiggles around, it'll bubble up a little bit more. But it's really, um, and as you say, it's, it starts off the day at around, you know, four and a bit percent and finishes at around higher, you know, closer to five. Um, wow, isn't that amazing? And, and so it's sort of a, yeah, as you say, it's very much alive and, and, um, and gets a little bit drier throughout the course of the day. It is yeah. absolutely, I've got to say, yeah, it's probably my favourite early when it's just there's all this delicious fruit and fruit sugars that are that haven't been used up by the fermentation process. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah bubbles. It's a ripper. So a anyway, we, um, we just thought we'd get you on because, and it's a shame you couldn't come down, but you are actually, um, what are you doing? You were adjudicating whether the bands are any good this year or what are we... What? No, well, I'll actually one of the bands that one of the bands. It, well, it's one of our. It's our band. Um, so we're just we've got a. Um, what do you mean your band? The, the last minute, the Ginger Pony, which is the the band that, that I'm a part of. We yeah. have a um, we have a we have a bit of a warm up gig this weekend at, at the winery. So we're just doing that today. So in fact, we're setting up now. Who's in the Ginger Pony, Phil? Ginger Pony. The Ginger Pony comprises um, uh, a dear old winemaking friend of mine, Rob Hall, and. A couple of other bona fide musical people, Rowan Anderson and Nick Pallet, who are the uh, back end of t who hold the thing together at the back end. Is that your rhythm section? Very much so. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, occasionally, our dear friend Doug will jump in and and uh, and give us a bit of a hand as well. Ah, Dougie Robertson, ex Ice Cream Hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he's more he's more of a he, he's more he casts he casts a um, you know a, a discerning ear across what we're up to anyway. Put it that way. I mean, well, he's he's an old ex housemate of mine. Oh, absolute legend too. Yeah, absolute legend. Um, all right, uh, we should probably uh, let you go to it. So it's the Cider Festival. It's on the Saturday. It's on the Sunday. To get in costs twenty two bucks. Yeah, um, and the tickets are both days. As in, one ticket will get you in both days. Oh, really? And we've got really cool bands too. So uh, the headlining act on Saturday is Tracy McNeil and the Good Life, who I think was in the studio yesterday with you guys. And we've got um, Sal Kimber and the Rolling Wheel who was headlining on the Sunday when we've got a swag of other bands as well playing right throughout the course of both days, yeah. Well, look, I think one of the reasons I love talking to and promoting this thing is um, the quality of the people that you get underneath that oak tree. They're just the happiest, sunniest little people um, around, and it's a beautiful day for the family. It really, really is. Yeah, and, there's, colours. and there's Morris dancing, if that's what rocks your world. <laughs> Right, so That's certainly right. the place is the real picture at this time of the year too, with the with the yellow vineyard and the the trees are still in full leaf, the giant oak tree where you know everyone's going to sit up there and have a bit of a bit of a scrumpy and a bit of a share of some food and watch a bit of music and take it all in. It's down in the dell in Wongapo. In the dell. In the dell. All right, Phil. Good That's to it. speak to you, buddy. Thank you, Cam. Good to talk to you. Always a pleasure. All right, uh, Matt's picking up a piece of paper because he has news. Well, actually, uh, now that we've heard all about the Kelly Brook Cider Festival, oh, we, have, we, we, also, we can give you a ticket. We have a giveaway. Oh, isn't that weird? Yeah, okay. Isn't that kind of cool? So uh, if you want to win a double pass to the Cider Festival, uh, which is next weekend, plus a case of cider. What? I know you have to. You don't have to lug around all day. I'm sure they'll load into the car for you. Yeah, okay. Um, so obviously, as you just heard, it's next weekend, Sunday, four and fifth of March at Kellybrook Winery, Wonga Park. You can get tickets and more info from kellybrookwinery.com.au. Or you give us a ring now, nine three double eight one zero two seven. How about Cameron? Yes. We ask as a question: uh, What number? What edition of the Cider Festival is this? How many? Have oh, there how been? many years have there yes. been? Yes. 
How it's, many years? Oh, that's right. People, are, they're ringing. And of course, you must be a subscriber. Have your subscriber card ready. Um, we're going to play some music, I think, Cameron. What a good idea. Mm. We were sort of saying a lot of the times we like to have something a little bit uplifting. Sometimes, as Matt describes it, the foot firmly on the fold-back wedge. <laughs> yes, but not today. Not today. It's a different kind of a day. Yeah. It's sort of a little bit melancholy. There's a little bit of ennui. Mm. There's a little bit of cloud. And there's a little bit of sneaker pimps. All right, John, the numbers are changing on this thing, so that means we're moving. A very, very good morning to you. A very good morning to you too, but you haven't pulled the uh, rabbit out of the hat this morning. It's overcast, no sun. Well, maybe I've done the opposite and actually brought a a little bit of wet stuff falling from the sky because, let's face it, John, we need rain more than we need sunshine at the moment. Definitely everyone needs rain. The veggies are still looking brilliant. Yes. But as we've always said, that little bit of rain always perks up the veggies because it oxygenates the ground. And the veggies say, oh, beauty, mate, let's go. And they jump up out of the ground like no one's business. You've said this many times before. It's uh, town water is different to the stuff that falls out of the sky. Well, definitely what comes out of the sky may only have uh, a little bit of our pollution in it, but it doesn't have all the chemicals like fluorides and heavy metals and all that other rubbish that collects along the way. So, yeah, something from the heavens is always better. A little bit of magical fairy dust. Oh, definitely, definitely. Something anyway, but it does make it grow better. So we can just hope we get more rains because um, I want to have some pine mushrooms this year. Yes, I saw some. I I, um, buy mushrooms from um, uh, a guy down a market. He's got um, beautiful Swiss browns and the normal mushrooms growing inside the white ones. Yes, they're cultivated. Yes, and he had um, king oyster mushrooms cultivated in New South Wales. Oh, finally, because for years and years they were coming from Korea. Korea. They still do. And he had slippery jacks, which grow under pines. Now you got my attention. Or near pines. And the pine mushrooms, which grow under the pines. And I was like, I had both growing in my other house because I had a pine tree. Really? But they don't do anything for me, so my neighbour used to have a feast. Next time, give them to me. Yeah, well, I sold the it's oh, gone, it's gone. all over. And worse, it? I chopped the tree down first. Oh, it was too big. It's vindictive. Too big, too big. You really didn't like these mushrooms. No. You denied them the habitat. Yeah, I did. But there's plenty <coughs> of pines out there, so yeah. go and find some. All right, okay, so, okay, here's a rhyming thing Pine and Time. Sounds good. <laughs> Didn't really have quite the impact that I thought it might have on you, John. No, no, okay, so, but uh, seriously, um, butter, uh, thyme, and you know what is insane on top of a pine mushroom with the thyme and the pepper and all that? Roasted hazelnuts. Yes, I have heard, but like I said, they didn't do it for me, so... Well, we better just move on then. We'll just we'll just look the other way and we'll pretend this conversation never happened. But when I had the king oysters last yeah. night with my dinner, yeah. the ones growing in New South Wales... Not Korea. They were very, very fresh, so we sliced them into three long ways. Yeah, that's Threw a little bit of butter in a pan and kept on flipping them. And I put just a drop of soy, no salt at all, and I had that beside my steak. That would have been lovely. I had to tell Joseph to stop eating and leave some for for his sister. Oh, really? Because he's he's like me. We don't have a switch-off button. Yeah. Sister can look after herself, though, can't she? 
she punches mine. I can imagine. And she's got, and she's, and she's got the brains. Yeah, she got the brains. She's got the brains. The, so, du- you know, the double degree. When when she comes, oh Joseph's doing a double as well. But when she comes home, she can smell stuff out. And yeah, what did you have tonight? Oh, and you know, um, most times she's at the dinner table, but she's working part time. So sometimes she's working while we're having our dinner. Yeah. So you know, she got to catch up. Yeah, she got to catch up. Did she, did she get any of those king king oh, mushrooms? Definitely, I made sure of it because she's yeah. one of the few that still love me these days. So. Oh, hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> hold, if you understand what I mean, hold your allies close. <laughs> um, okay, so king mushrooms again, butter, um, drop pepper, of oil too. I put in drop of oil. Um, you just stop it burning. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. A uh, little bit of soy. Just beautiful, dense flavours with those things. Yeah, they're, they're I really try to good. keep it simple. I'm told you know people put garlic and. Other herbs in it as well, but I'm more of a purist, and I'd rather not put a lot of stuff in it. I'm with you actually on that one. It doesn't need need a lot. So even with the steak, we had a steak that was um, probably two and a half centimeters thick, and um, it was huge. Trust me, because uh, Franco only ate a half, and um, Joseph likes his um, rare, so um, I cut it in half, and I said, "This is blue." And he said, don't worry, bring it. So by the time it rested, it got to the table. Mm. It was just right because it kept on cooking a little bit. Mm. So the two really married really well. We had a little bit of mash beside it, which was good. Uh, a yellow mash. And, uh, and it's getting to that time of yellow mash. And we look around and go, yeah, it's um, slowly happening. It's yeah. been a long, long autumn. Yeah, yeah. And we had a minestrone the night before to warm the cockles of our hut because I was cold. Um, Friday night, so I come home to a beautiful hearty minestrone, and that was spectacular as well. Did you have Parmesan rinds in that? Um, we don't use much Parmesan. Where we come from, or my parents come from the centre of the boot of Italy, we use more pecorino. Oh, pecorino, pecorino. Man. Yes, so, um, yes, yes. Yeah, but we do have Parmesan in the fridge, but um, uh, they tend more to chop it up and eat it like that. I'll just say, if you, um, if you do use Parmesan at home, um, just save those rinds because in a minestrone, it, something happens to it. it like, it's completely inedible. Like it's a, it's, it's a weird... You, you think you're putting a bit of wood in the yeah. thing. But, it, but, but you know, three, hour, three hours later, you oh. know, all the flavours come out and, oh, and, and the, the colours and, and the it's unbelievable. Texture. Anyway, it's something to fight over. Um, now, listen, I just thought I'd um, get you to just explain something to me. Um, you, at the moment, you've got four lines of potatoes. Um, let's see, Dutch cream, Desiree, Kifler, Sebago, yes. um, going from left to right. And I'm just wondering, can you we just have a quick little chat about how potatoes are different and how you use them for, you'd use these for different things? Yes, okay. Well, we'll start first with a Sebago. It looks like it's new season because the... This is new season, is... it's peeling. And this is a true... Uh, can you just season. explain that? Why? How can you tell whether something's new season? It, it's like having sunburn and the skin's peeling. Oh, good analogy. Right. Yes, it's exactly right. like that's that. That's definitely the way it is. Because you're so young, they get the cold air, the skin splits and rolls back. Yeah. Now, this is a true new potato. Yes. Not this stuff that you get that's washed and they're white. They're not new potatoes. Well, you don't buy those. No, you, you don't, don't buy, buy washed white potatoes. Because they're picked, washed in chemicals. yeah. Put in the fridge. Uh, Nine months later, pull them out. Say they're still new potatoes. It's not a new potato. Well, and they actually don't last as long. And they're just well, as soon as you bring them out, they go green. That's why I refuse to sell them. Anyway, okay. So let's just say avoid those. We'll yeah, just, yep. we'll get the, back to that in a minute. <coughs> this is a sabago. It's a flowery potato. Mm. Um, this is my favourite. My kids and my wife don't like it. 
they like Desiree's. We'll get back to that in a minute. Mm. This, when you bake it, it goes brown on the outside. It crisps up beautiful. The scent is soft. When you make a mash with this potato, I say to people, doesn't matter if they're old and they're growing and they're soft, they still cook up beautiful. If you're making a mash, cube them, boil them or steam them, undercook them so they're still hard, mash them, they make the fluffiest white mash you'll ever have. And trust me, you'll change your mind. Unfortunately, going out of fashion, I have to push people to buy these. But when they try them and do what I tell them, they like them. Just listen to John. Do what he tells you. All right, do what I tell them. Okay, yeah, anyway. Some yeah. people listen. I know. Next. Okay, we got... And they're three bucks a kilo. Three bucks a kilo. And cheaper. Depends yep. on where they come from. Yep. I try not to buy them from Ballarat because they can be crystally in the middle because mm. of the climate then. Mm. Next is a Kifler, mm. which is... um. German-Austrian type potato. The finger potato. Finger potato. Not my favourite potato. Now, these, this one's about six centimetres long. They can be double the size long. Mm. I like them when they're very, very small, straight out of the ground and they are peeling. Then we give them a light boil and throw them on a barbie after you've done your meat. They suck up all that oil and the flavour mm-hmm. of the, and they're beautiful. Or even just a potato salad. You can grow these in a stack of tyres full of hay and manure. And they will grow without soil. Say that again. You can grow them in a tyre. In a stack of tyres. Yeah. Yeah. They layer. They put gypsum on the bottle or uh, lime. Yeah. Then a layer of hay and then the potato skins and then hay potato skins. And then when they knock over the stack of tyres, it's full of potatoes. Get out of here. Yeah, serious. Okay. Um, That's a good project at home. A lot of people bake these and make potato salad with them. I like these baked with... um, with lots of garlic. Yes. So garlic cloves, and you put the garlic cloves uh, not at the beginning, because otherwise they get decimated, but yes. you put them just in, 20 minutes, yeah. right about. So they're about 6 to $7 a kilo. Okay. Some people buy them washed. If you buy them washed, they go green real quick, oh, so okay. keep them in the dark. You don't buy a washed potato. Yeah, but a lot of people do. Ah, oh, look, they're, just, they're, can we just, just talk to them? Just lazy. G'day, how are you? Now, then we've got the Desiree. Now, yeah. this is a beautiful... Sometimes pink, sometimes rose-coloured. And it's washed. And it's washed. Yeah. But, but these potatoes are more resilient. Because so the pink, pink skin yeah, is... they don't go green as quick. Yeah. And these will shoot. Even when they shoot, they get better because mm. all the moisture comes out of the potato. Ooh. These do everything. They bake, they boil, they fry. You can make wedgies with them with the skin on. Everything. Potato salad. Potato salad. Yeah, especially. all-rounder. Then we've how much got, are they? You didn't say how much. Uh, sorry, they're three fifty a kilo. You can pay yeah. less for seconds, which yeah. are just as good. And then, uh, and then we have the Dutch cream. Oh. This, uh, this is another one of my favourites. This is the king. This one again is peeling. Now, when I opened up the box yesterday, I found some that were six inches long in the old scale. So what's that about? Uh, Fifteen to twenty centimetres long, and they were yeah, huge. Half a ruler. Yeah. Now we cut them long ways and make straw chips with them. <laughs> And have fish and chips, and they're lovely. They, again, do everything. They bake well. They fry well. Very good for wedgies. Dense flesh. Dense, uh, dense flesh. interior. That's yeah. sort of why they're oh, called sort of a Dutch... I forgot cr- to tell you, the Desiree's a waxy potato. Yes. Paul Cameron's got a cough. Oh, it's the we'll cold. We'll give color. you some holy water later. Oy. Okay. Um, and the Dutch cream does everything. It's, it's a, it, another one of my favourites, again. This one, the, the first one we spoke of, the... Sabago is a mealy potato. Yes. So it breaks down. Very good for a gluggy soup. If you want to make a soup, the best. Or even um, a pasta sauce with um, a sort of a wet pasta sauce with it sort of 
breaking down. Yeah, you know what? I'll put nothing in my pasta, so I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Let's not go. Come <laughs> yes, on, we, but we've yes, got yes, along yes. so well for this interview. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not fight, John. But, yeah, they are all good. They're all very nice. So right. pick the potato you like, stick with it. Now, Desiree comes in a number of um, subgroups as well. Yeah. You get some that are a little bit more purpley, some a little bit more pink. Um, yeah. um, and they have different names, and they're all lovely. All right, so to summarise, find the variety that you like. There's a difference between a waxy and a mealy potato. Do not, do not buy a washed potato, maybe unless it's uh, uh, the, the uh, Desiree in, with that colour, because um, it'll fall over faster and it just the dirt protects it. In 30 seconds, pick of the market. Pick of the market. Ah, oh, I've been eating green beans. They're $12 for real hand-picked beans. You can buy machine-picked for 6 they are so sweet and tender at the moment. Um, we had coleslaw from Savoy cabbage and red cabbage again early in a week. Mm. That was magic. Um, carrots been flying out the door. Some people have been eating them raw. Some people making soups mm. and casseroles. Uh, the last of the grapes. We've all been having grapes after our dinner with watermelon and other things. Who knows? Oh, you get into that um, while you can. How many more weeks before they go? Well, there's still a few around the market, so uh, I'd say probably another month because they're all coming out of the refrigerator. And it's, mm. let's talk the truth about that. Yeah. So, but they're still better than something that's coming from China or Argentina. Or forget about. I'm it. not prejudiced about that. Hey, but, but just still, forget about it. Yeah, it's just okay. forget about it. Um, Last of the local garlic, which is rather tragic. There's a lot of Spanish garlic in the market. Not my favourite. I don't like Spanish because it's hotter. Mm. Um, the stuff that comes from Mexico is probably better than that, so I hope that comes soon too. Mm. Tomatoes, we've had an abundance of tomatoes. Um, Joey's been putting all the beautiful photos on Instagram at um, Tomato City at QVM, so have a look Say at all the Say that again, so that's Instagram, Tomato City. Tomato City at QVM. Yeah, we'll get, see if we get some views. He has yeah, been so, views, so. some beautiful tomatoes there. All the greens, eggplant, capsicums, dime a dozen. Uh, you know, we've been having a spezzatina where you chop everything up, and you know, tomatoes, eggs, capsicums, onion. Mm. Um, beautiful, so... Get out there and have a look. You know, design your menus in the market. Don't worry about thinking what you're going to eat for the week because stuff will call you. And that's what happens to me. When I go down the wholesale market, I see something. From a distance, I can see the beautiful colours and the smells. I have to buy it. He's drawn, ladies and I'm drawn. He's and that's drawn. the word. That's yeah. the word. All right. Well, I'm going to get draw myself out of here and get to the studio. Uh, thanks for, uh, for the report. Thanks for potato chat. I'll see you later. All the best. Have a beautiful day. And we're back, 12.42 here on 3 FM. It's definitely autumn. Mm. There's definitely something in the air. It's rain and stuff like that. Um, but to bring a, a nice sunny disposition to this afternoon, we have some good news. Normally, when we talk about nutrition, there's terrible things. We eat too much salt. There's too much fat. There's not enough fat. There's the wrong kind of fat. Um, but um, I have in front of me... Dr. Tim Crow, for the very, very first time, a big good afternoon to you. Super excited to be here today. Thank you so much for the invitation to speak, Cam. Oh, look, absolutely. Uh, I am delighted. What I might get you to do, though, is just twist that microphone so that it's facing you. That's it. There we go. You're in front. Now, you are from the world of uh, research science. I'm a card-carrying academic nerd. I've spent my career... Can I have a look at it? ...universities... 
It's a very important is card. Is it laminated? It's, it's got so many letters after my name. It's obscene. I need two cards to fit them fit them all in. Well, congratulations. Thank You've you obviously much. spent a long time studying. Way too much studying, but mm-hmm. also with that, I just absorb all of this nutrition research in my brain. And, and, now and the neurons bring it back too? They'll cough it up when you need they it? They do, and sometimes it's understandable to the general public. So that's what I aim to do nowadays is translate it into... Easy to sound, understand sound bites. Well, you're doubly gifted, and that's probably the reason why we have you here. Um, now, we uh, in the intro to the show, I was talking about um, we talk about uh, the lottery of birth. You know, you could be born into the royal family, and well, it sort of be good in some parts, sucks in others, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, different parts of the world um, will have a direct. Uh, variation on uh, what are we looking for when, when you say something inverse uh, relationship has a direct relationship to how long you will live and you were talking to me before I um, got you on the show about blue zones was it? Yeah blue zones now this is a really positive nutrition story because we're, some research has been developing for the last few decades identifying regions of the world where people enjoy long healthy happy productive lives relatively free of disease Mm. and have long lives. And researchers are looking at what sort of habits the people living in these blue zones exhibit. And they're called blue zones because when researchers were identifying these villages, they drew big uh, big red blue circles Mm. on the map around them. Hence the term blue blue? zone. It was a blue circle. A blue circle. That's it. That was the colour they picked. Okay. Oh, so very, very scientific, rigorous Arbitrary method. sort of, yeah, okay. And uh, where are these blue zones? Well, one of them I think people would, would know about. It's called Okinawa in Japan. Okinawa. Okinawa. And then so the, the island to the, the island, south just of... Just a bit to the east of Japan. Yes. Yes. So that's another one. Another one is the Italian island of Sardinia, the Greek island of Ikaria. Hey, I'm seeing this. There's something coming up. I'm seeing islands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then right. we have one called uh, in the Detroit. Detroit. No, no, it's Detroit. Not Detroit. No, yeah, no, close. Yeah. Well, there's one in America, but another one is in uh, Costa Rica, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Now, whereabouts in Central America is Costa Rica? Again? Uh, it's sort of it's sort of northeast, closer west, to the. Yeah. Is it closer to South America or closer to the, the U.S.? Closer to, closer to the U.S. Gotcha. Costa Rica. Yep. And the fifth one is the most random place possible. It's a town called Loma Linda in California. California. What's, what's special about Loma Linda? It is really the epicenter of the Seventh-day Adventist church. So ah. many of the people that live in Loma Linda uh, adhere to the Seventh-day Adventist uh, church teachings and also... A lot of the recommendations they make are about diet and lifestyle. Manifesto. Big yes. manifesto. So they, people in Loma Linda live 10 years longer than the rest of people in America. All 10 right. years longer. So maybe let's, uh, let's look into this a little bit further and uh, get the magnifying glass out. Which one do you want to start off with and tell us about the diet? Say, well, you brought up the Mormons were the last one. So what do Mormons eat? Well, Obviously not a lot of uh, chicken nuggets. aren't quite Mormons. Oh, sorry, yeah, the Seventh-day Adventists are Seventh-day Adventists, sorry. But my, they, my they generally follow a vegetarian diet yes. uh, and no drinking and no smoking. Um, now, from that... Okay, well, that's, that's a big tip that's, there. That's a, well, obviously, very clearly that they're living much longer lives. The other parts of the world, they're not all vegetarians, but they predominantly eat plant-based foods. Legumes and beans are a big feature mm. um, as to whole grains. When they eat meat, it's not a lot, not a lot of red meat. Some fish and some chicken and poultry is eaten, but it's certainly but not isn't a lot. the centre of the plate Absolutely like a lot not. of Western diets Absolutely are. Absolutely not. It's very plant-based. So while one of the populations is predominantly vegetarian, the others 
are not vegetarian, but they don't have a lot of plant foods. And even Okinawa, you might think, well, it's from all the fish they eat. They actually yeah. don't eat a lot of fish. They Seaweed? Eat, they ate tofu. The highest consumption of tofu in the world and sweet potatoes is in Okinawa. And what about natto? Uh, Which well, fermented soybeans? So the fermented soy foods are very big in Japan. There's a lot of extra health benefits having your food uh, fermented. Yeah. From that. Yeah. But it's predominantly just... So the, they, the they eat a lot of tofu. Sorry, a lot back. of tofu, a lot of tofu, a lot of sweet potatoes, and turmeric as well is in their diet. Turmeric is in the Japanese diet? In, in Okinawa's, yes, surprisingly. That's, that would so be... So it's very random. You think about Japan, oh, it's all the fish. No, it's actually other things they eat. But, but the key theme is the plant-based foods. I would also say there's not a lot of crossover. We're going to do a Venn diagram of Japanese food ingredients. I wouldn't have thought that there's a lot of turmeric in or turmeric in the rest of Japan. No, that's right. So the Okinawans diet is Why? a little bit is different. It the, who, the Indians sailed there or the Portuguese were going through or what was going on there? Well, three of these blue zones are island, are islands. So yeah. they've been, been, been insulated a lot from you know, the, the outside world. The big problem with, with, with Okinawa... the invasion, I suppose. Well, the Okinawans are not so much a blue zone nowadays because of the influence of the Americans post-World War II and obviously the change in the food supply. Because there's a lot of spam gets A lot of spam, a lot of McDonald's, all those sorts of foods are going into their food supply. So that's really affecting their their health from that outside influence. Yeah, okay, so maybe it's a blue zone that's in decline. Decreasing. So the the food is predominantly plant-based, but the other key theme of blue zone is they have lots of physical activity. And it's not going to the gym, it's not running marathons. They have so not having an eye watch? No. No? Not, not closing ha- not the circles? Not ha- closing the circles? Not having a tracker. Uh, it's actually just okay. being active all throughout yes. the day, having a strong sense of community and having a strong sense of purpose in the morning. All of those combined together seems to link with a lot of health benefits from having long lives, much lower rates of dementia, heart disease and cancer. Sounds like the uh, Fitzroy in the early 90s. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, sorry, laughing at my own jokes. I really shouldn't do that. Um, okay, so and so... Again, if you want to just extrapolate a little bit more from that, so for you, has by reading about these blue zones, has that affected the way that you eat? Like, what do you eat? So We've only I just met. So I, I, I eat a range of foods. You know, you're you're I don't a complete pre- omnivore. I don't predominantly follow a vegetarian diet, but I eat predominantly plant-based. I eat mm. foods that are fairly close to the natural state. If you look at it, you can see that's probably how it was grown. It was it was fed. Uh, despite having the best knowledge in the world, though, we live in an environment, though, that's really geared to make us eat unhealthy and be inactive. You're yes. surrounded by food advertising. Whenever you, you, any store do you go to, you'll be surrounded by a lot of junk food as and, well. And I love the nexus between elite sport and junk food. Oh, that's a bit it's, of a, it's worry, a crazy isn't one, that? isn't the it? food advertising. We yeah, got yeah. rid of t- tobacco advertising years ago. I think the next one is it should be junk food advertising as well. And sugar. And sugar, yep. Uh, thoughts on sugar? Uh, look, there's no, there's no positive things about it to say. You know, it adds a bit of sweetness to our food. And, and but bulk? we have far too much of it, far, far, far too much of it. Yeah, and, and it's sort of something that bulks things out. That's sort of the reason why it's there a lot of the it time. Does. So the foods you're adding sugar to are going to be more processed. That's the problem with it. So it's not so much we're having a lot of sugar. The, the foods that have it are not so good for us either. Mm, and I'm just uh, wondering over the period of time that you've been like a sponge absorbing all these things and learning about food nutrition and how things are, are always changing. How has your diet changed over those years? Yeah, so probably when you look at the dietary themes that are linked with long-term health, it's predominantly plant-based. plant-based the one food yes. that stands out as being being you know negative linked with health is going to be red meat. You know, poultry 
Um, and also processed. Like poultry know. and fish seem to come out fairly neutral, but red meat seems to come out as being quite negative. Yes. So that's probably one thing I would have less of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I don't over, you know, overthink things too much. If you've got a diet that's predominantly plant-based, that's in close to its natural state as possible, that's where the biggest health wins seem to come from. And if we look at these blue zones, you know, they eat a very varied diets. They eat a whole range of different plant-based foods. But it's really legumes that actually seem to be the key. That's the one common theme. Growing old, lentils, mm. chickpeas, kidney beans, very unsexy, very unsuper foods, but they actually Lima beans. probably the best foods we could be eating for our health. Yeah. By far. Yeah, more legumes in our diet. Um, um, it's it's funny. We uh, This sort of reiterates, Maddie. We, we have a chat to Rosemary Stanton. Every now and then. Very wise brain. A lovely, lovely person, and we've been speaking to her for years because someone completely unsullied by commercial interests, it would appear, after all these years. And she's very much of what you say. She says, paraphrasing, actually direct phrasing, I like ice cream. I love ice cream. Ice cream is an everyday food. Exactly right. I don't have ice cream every day. Um, so the, the whole thing to a, a good diet is to, to vary it up a bit and... Stay away from from some things. Now, I was looking at your website, and that's called thinkingnutrition.com.au. Congratulations on it. Thank you. Um, And there was an interesting article, the the front, which I hadn't even considered, and it was uh, the cancer of the esophagus. Yes. How hot is too hot for a drink? I hadn't really considered this. And, and not many people do. I mean, it's a case of, you know, be, be alert but not alarmed. Um, mm. We know that, that cancer of the esophagus, it kills about 1,300 Australians each year. What? So it's actually a... 1,300? 1,300, yeah. Okay. So smoking, drinking, um, obesity are risk factors, but also on the list is drinking really hot cups of tea. Now, what's the link? Well, if you think about boiling hot water, if you spill it on your skin, that's going to burn and that's going to cause inflammation. Drinking really hot liquids over many years, that damages the lining of the esophagus and it raises the risk of cancer. This latest research done in Iran, they actually could work out what the best temperature was to be drinking these beverages at or below. And it turns out about 60 degrees is sort of the optimum. You don't want to be going above that. That's Celsius, right? 60 degrees Celsius. So people that drank tea above that or drank tea very quickly after they poured it had higher rates of esophageal cancer and it was from this hot the hot water wow concerning isn't it well it's something that we should reflect on i suppose um so if when matt and i come here on a sunday we do this dynamic duo thing where i do the milk in the espresso machine uh matt does the grind and does it as that comes out of the machine it's Around about 94 degrees Celsius, yes. I think it is. And so then that's going into a cup. So that should, we should let that cool down a fair bit then Just a little bit. it's 60 degrees. If you're adding milk to it as well, that's going to lower the temperature. Hot milk. Hot milk. Yeah. <laughs> not, not 100 well, degrees. Not, but no, you, you're quite right. Yeah. It's, uh, and when you, when you do you, the milk, it, it should be just warm enough. It should enough. be warm. So yeah. 60 degrees will, is very uncomfortably hot, but it's not going to scald and burn you. Yeah, that, right. That's probably, and if you, you want to know what 60 degrees is, you can get a food thermometer and just put it in your, mm. in your tea and coffee. Yeah. But it's one of those interesting things that it's not a, not a major risk factor, but it puts things into context. We worry about so many different things in our environment. Do yeah, we ever? Sometimes know. it's even hard to get out of bed. I mean, oh if, if you read every bit of research, you'd um, everything causes cancer of the everything just about. Yes. So, you know, what, what, are the, what are the things you can do that will lower your, have the best benefits? Eating mostly plant-based foods, being active, you know, um, being safe in the sun, not drinking a lot, not smoking. That's where the biggest 
health wins come. Not from having superfoods in your diet, not from just cutting out sugar in your so coffee. So chia seeds aren't going to save you? Uh, sadly not. Goji berries aren't the answer? More, a few more followers on Instagram as you, as you hashtag the hell out of your breakfast with all yeah, your with chia seeds and so on. Pokeball. <laughs> now with my, yes. And, that, and that, I guess that's the terrible thing about um, this whole thing is that just this fadism and the mis-messaging is just kind of crazy. I mean, what I've witnessed or Matt and I have sort of seen is that uh, uh, saturated fats are bad. Uh, saturated fats are good. Yes. Where's uh, the truth lie? Monounsaturated fats are no good. Uh, then salt was really, really, really bad, and then salt wasn't no, so bad. And then and eggs weren't bad, but then, then you shouldn't eat the yolks, so then we were just throwing out the yolks and having the whites. And, and then it was like back to the saturated fats are bad again. Welcome to my world. Yeah. So I take a step back from all this research, and that's why focusing something like the blue zones is a really positive message. You know, mm. What's the important stuff? What are the things that you should worry about getting right? Get that stuff right, then you can worry about. You know, don't worry about how much saturated fat you're having, and so on. Mm. Because no one eats saturated fat. We eat food. If you get the foods right, the nutrients take care of themselves. There's a big difference between eating walnuts, which contain some saturated fat, and eating bacon. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. One's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> One's even more delicious. I didn't even <laughs> want to go there. Like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> So we, we, when we talk about nutrients, it loses sight of the food, which is why research is moving away from talking about nutrients and talking about dietary themes, dietary patterns. It's a much more positive message. And the Blue Zones really encapsulate that really nicely because of the diversity of foods you eat. You can have a Mediterranean-style diet. You can have a tropical diet. You can have a vegetarian diet. You can have more of a Japanese diet. All of those can give similar health benefits, many paths to the same health outcomes. Yeah, okay, gotcha. And... Um, also, with that blue zone, we were talking about legumes. Legumes, yeah. Um, what about nuts? Because you touch on walnuts. N- nuts are pretty good for us, Nuts are excellent. There's been loads of research to show that regular nut eaters have low rates of heart disease and potentially control their weight better. A question I get asked a lot is, what are the best nuts to eat? And I say all of them are all pretty damn good. So yes. whatever, whatever you like. Walnuts, cashews, macadamias, almonds. I could go on and on, but they're all pretty good for you. Brazil nuts are supposed to be amazing because they contain what is that thing they contain that's I amazing? I think selenium. They're selenium. High selenium. That's one right. of the one yeah. of the few sources of selenium we have. Very good. And just to um, uh, close this off, is peanut butter a superfood? Uh, in my books, it is. I love the stuff. That's my my big weakness is peanut butter. I go through a jar a week. So there you go. Really? With <laughs> it's what? a superfood. What? Are, what are you... With what? With a spoon. That's it. Really? <laughs> just, just standing by the refrigerator that's at it. midnight. A big spoon. I love the stuff. So. Uh, yeah, that's great. Well, um, Dr. Tim, thank you so much for coming in. Wonderful, great to chat. We with might you today, have to Tim. work out another uh, topic for you to uh, to come around, seeing you just around the corner. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Maddie Cameron. What a time that was. Um, we've got a big show coming up next week. We do. We do. We do. <coughs> Sorry, I had to cough because <laughs> the flu's the, the cold's still getting you. Uh, cold, that's killing me. Um, <coughs> Sorry, <clears throat> Darren Purchase. Yes, we're talking about breakfast uh, yes. coming up. Shannon Martinez. Um, we had a phone call with her the other day. It was uh, oh, it was a little bit ropey line, mm. so we thought we'd get it back just to talk about the four dollar challenge she's doing with yes. Sacred Heart Mission. Yes, um, and Cam Russell, mm. who uh, no stranger to this station, mm-hmm. uh, we've heard him talking about uh, chasing the. Uh, the fungi around the place. Yes. Uh, Mr. Mycelium. 
and um, we're going to see about, well, how he's sort of seeing this mushroom season coming along. And he's also going to be talking about something about olives, like you've probably had dried olives, yep. galamata yep. olives done in brine. Some use an alkaline solution to get the bitterness out. He's talking about fermented olives, which is mm-hmm. a little bit of a first. So uh, tune in next week. We'd love to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Yes, thank you, Cam, and still here is up next. Thank you, Dr. Tim, again, <laughs> and we'll see you later. Thanks very much. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.